Some have prophesied that the worst of the coronavirus will be over by Passover, about three weeks from the release of this episode. Let's see what you think. This is Brian Del Turco. Thanks for listening today to Jesus Smart, the podcast, episode 117. You can find the show notes page with additional resources and links for this episode at jesussmart.com slash virus loses. See what I did there? Now, late last night and early this morning, I'm just going to get real with you for a moment. I hit a small wall sort of a membrane I had to pass through, press through. Yeah, I was thinking about the country that was weighing on my mind, this whole coronavirus thing, and also just uh, maybe some of the practice of, um, you know, our own lives as a family managing this issue. I think I got fatigued as well. I think I got really tired late last night, and uh, that's never uh, quite helpful when you're going through other stressors, Let's uh, let's just say. But, you know, I uh, I rebounded quickly this morning after I woke up. Early this morning, I was still dealing with it. Kind of had a rough night. I think there may have been a little bit of, oh, I don't know, a little bit of resistance or spiritual warfare happening. But, you know, I, I rebounded quickly uh, in the morning. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like lifting weights. I've discovered recently that resistance training, all you have to do is two sets. And here's the deal. You work out in your first set for reps, and then you work out in your second set in a given exercise. And the idea is to have enough weight and do enough reps that you push it to the point of what they call failure, where you just really can't push out another rep. And it's in those very last few reps in the second set is where the magic happens in terms of increasing strength and building muscle fiber, resistance training. And it's like that spiritually. I think we go through waves, you know, emotionally, mentally. Uh, We go through waves and uh, membranes and walls that we have to press through. And we, we hit these resistance points. And I think a lot of the nation and a lot of the world is going through that right now. And it wouldn't be surprising if every several days or so you felt this way. But just know that as it is physically, so it is, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we can press through. And the idea is that this is something of a stress test that we're going through right now. And I would um, want to encourage ourselves to think about this challenge offensively. Think about it as a stress test. It's real. It's a disease. It's a respiratory disease. But if we will get into word immersion, use this opportunity to really soak deeply in the word more than ever before, prayer, personal worship at home, maybe taking communion at home routinely. It's an opportunity to deepen our relationships. It's almost like a massive Shabbat or Sabbath rest. Our routines have been interrupted. The noise level has gone down traffic is down, you know, the normal frenetic driven cultural pace that we have has been geared down severely, but it's an opportunity to deepen relationships, to maybe think, become a little reflective, up your quality online connectivity with others. Maybe that project that's been languishing now is an opportunity. So you think about the future, you're investing in the future through word immersion prayer, deeper worship, deeper relationships, you know, working on that project, uh, advancing on, on some cause that you're working on. 
think about it that way, lean into it offensively. That's what I'm trying to do. We have a fascinating focus today. Some have been prophesying that the worst of this coronavirus will be over by Passover. Now, we're releasing this episode on March 18. I think Passover is just uh, three weeks. We're going to look at this. We're going to look at the topic of prophecy here. We have some great audio snippets from Steve Witt, Lance Wallnow, and Dr. Michael Brown. And we'll be looking at a few of these prophecies that have really caught a lot of attention I think you may find it encouraging. I'm not going to tell you what to believe here. We're presenting something of a balanced approach, and you walk away with what you think about it, okay? But let me just share this. Moses said in the Old Testament, I wish that all of God's people prophesied. And then you may be familiar with a famous passage in Joel 2.28. It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Peter picked up on this in Acts chapter 2, following the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost on the early church. And he quoted Joel 2.28, and he told the people, this is that. What you're seeing here right now is what Joel prophesied. Paul also said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 21, don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. One more verse, Jesus said in John 16, 13, that when the Holy Spirit comes, he calls him the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. So we're going to take a look at a couple of these prophecies. And as I've mentioned, we have these audio snippets as well. Great contributions from Steve Witt, Lance Wallnow, and Dr. Michael Brown. Can I share this with you? Jesus said that worrying will not add a single cubit to our height. A cubit was about 18 inches, I believe. And I think that Jesus is saying here that, listen, worry is not going to help your standing or your positioning or your height. It's going to shrink you. (laughs) It's going to make you small. You're not going to be able to live large and to lean into life with faith and positivity if you engage worry. So Jesus is always admonishing us to lean away from worry and lean into a positive outlook, a faith-based, belief-filled outlook. And can I share too this principle? Lesser authority always yields to greater authority, okay? If I'm on a sports team and the authority is the coach, I have a lesser authority as a player on that team than the coach. I have to yield to the coach. And it's like this in the spirit world. Lesser authority has to yield to greater authority. In Ecclesiastes 8.4, it says, the, where the word of a king is, there is power. And who can say to him, what are you doing? What if the word of the king got in your mouth as a vice regent? Coming from a backdrop of prayer, you could speak a commanding word of faith like the Roman centurion. And because he understood that he was under authority, 
but also in authority over things, he could make things happen. Things would move. And so as we are under the authority of the king and the word of the king gets in our mouth, who can say to that word, what are you doing? You can speak to that mountain. You can command that fig tree to wither from the roots and to die overnight. You can uh, displace a dark power from a person's life with a word. You can send forth a word of healing. You can speak to a storm, and that storm can be quieted, and you can get on with your assignment. Lesser authority yields to greater authority. As we are under the authority of the Lord, we are in authority over that which he wants us to be in authority over. He said, all authority has been given to me, Jesus said, and I give it to you. So I want to encourage you to stay fortified in faith and believe that as you pray, what you say will happen. This virus will submit to faith. It's a spirit of faith versus a spirit of fear. True, authentic spirituality in Christ is greater than biology or anatomy or a virus. Spirit is greater than matter. So let's get away from the worry. It's not going to help our standing. It's not going to increase our height or, or our positioning in this matter. And let's understand the principle of authority and what Jesus taught us about belief-filled speech that is energized by believing prayer and that he's given his authority to us. Amen? Can you agree with me on that? Let's just say a quick prayer about that. Father, we do accept our assignment and our calling as kingdom agents, and we are vice regents in your kingdom. We are called to exercise dominion on your behalf. We accept that role. We want to understand it better, to grow in it and develop in it. We shed worry off of us. We repel worry and attract faith. We attract the thoughts and the words of Jesus in us and through us. In your name, Lord, we thank you for it. We believe for it and receive it. Lance Wallnow is an internationally recognized speaker. He's a business and political strategist. And USA Today reported that he is one of only three evangelical leaders to have accurately predicted Donald Trump's presidency. In this audio segment, he will talk about viruses, other kinds of viruses like perversions and corruption and worldview issues and our need to protect and cleanse ourselves spiritually and mentally. Let me just say something totally incendiary. There is perversion that we've embraced in this country. There is, there is perversion of all sorts. There is toxic hatred. There is, uh, there's all kinds of lunacy that proliferates throughout our country that is, more, that is contagious like a virus that will kill you if it gets into your brain. And yet the Americans just drink it down. They drink these viral worldviews and viral um, uh, perversions, and we we enshrine them as personal choices, and we lift them up and celebrate them. You know what? From heaven's perspective, they're a coronavirus. 
They're a virus to your culture, a virus to your stability, a virus to your nation, and a virus to your soul. But Americans don't care because they don't consider it a virus. They consider it a, a delight. So there's a kind of irony right now. You have a virus, and now you see how you ought to be protecting yourself from corruption, from defilement, from sin, from demons. Just like you'd be washing your hands spiritually three times a day and covering yourself in the blood of Jesus and getting yourself under a prayer covering. And by the way, the first century, uh, the first uh, Passover was they ate the lamb and they covered their house with the blood. You ought to put the lamb inside of you, which is Jesus on the inside, get the word in you, and then put the blood over you. And you put the blood over your house. Psalm 91 says there's no plague going to come nigh thy dwelling. This is this is God. Uh, challenging the church to step up into the higher realm where it has that where it has the passing over do you know there's churches in the wuhan province in that city that um uh, i was listening to rodney howard brown he there are friends of his that are pastors there people that he knows and they haven't suffered one casualty in their church in wuhan think about the christians in those cities there are christians living in persecuted circumstances in china that's getting worse and worse and we're sitting here complaining about not having good internet coverage or something my cell phone drops that uh, over in china you know they're getting locked up and persecuted and shut down but in the wuhan province the churches are strong and there are pastors that have not suffered casualties. I'm not saying that that's in everywhere, but it's the ones I'm hearing about. And it's the con the concept I want you to catch is that that um, this is dress rehearsal. I love what he said there about the dynamic of Passover and and the dynamic of communion, and be encouraged to take communion, increase your frequency personally and with your families, and with the body of Christ as you're able to gather with the body of Christ. You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 26 that I will wash my hands in innocence and I will go about your altar, O Lord. There's a lot of talk, of course, about hand washing. 20 seconds, warm water, lots of soap, a lot of frequency during the day, all good practical advice, pragmatic. What about spiritually? Are we keeping our hands clean? The psalmist goes on to say that we may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and declare all of your wonders. As kingdom agents, we need to keep ourselves rinsed. In this second segment, he talks about the ecclesia, the church, countering a spirit of lawlessness, and that the church actually carries like antibodies or an antivirus anointing against the antichrist spirit. I have written an article about the body of Christ as a superorganism. There is this thing in nature called superorganisms. Just go to jesusmart.com, go to the search field and type in the one word superorganism. The plague of antichrist lawlessness and toxic poisoning of mind control in a sense is going is being countered by the church being able to step up its game into the power of God, the presence of God, simplifying its life, focusing on building its faith. Because we're the only one with the antivirus anointing promise of Psalm 91. We're the people that actually, think about this one, rather than running around fearing physical contact with people, you're called to lay hands on the sick. Lay hands on the sick. It's curious to me that when a leper called out to, to Jesus, you know, um, Jesus actually reached out and touched him. He didn't have to touch the leper. He could have spoke, but he made a point. I appreciate Lance. You can follow him at lancewallnow.com. Uh, it's W-A-L-L-N-A-U.com. And he's uh, very intelligent, very prophetic, 
very much tuned in, dialed into the times, very relevant cultural issues. You may find him uh, fascinating as I do. Pastor Steve Witt is the founder and senior leader of Bethel Cleveland, and you can find that site at BethelCleveland.com. Also, I encourage you to go to his website, stevewitt.com. He just released a brand new book called Your Prophetic Life Map. And even on that site, you can find a free guide on making tough choices. He talks about a dream he had years ago, which he is just now getting further understanding on about Psalm 91 and how so few believers avail themselves of the opportunity that the psalmist outlines for us in Psalm 91. You know, about a year and a half ago, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was with a rabbi. This is a dream, so you can do anything. And I was traveling all over the Mideast. And I was coming upon these places that the rabbi was showing me. And I've, I've referred to this many times uh, publicly. But they were these, what they called flaps, which, are, which were like tent flaps that were invisible that you could open up and go into a special room. And uh, so this rabbi opens these flaps up as I went to numerous ones. And I went into this room that was full of shelves. And I thought, what is this place? And the rabbi, as if he could read my mind said, uh, this is the place that Jews have hidden their treasures over the centuries. And I thought, what? Why have I never heard of this, you know? And I was puzzled, but I was amazed. And I realized in a moment it was the secret place of the Most High. And I, I looked up at the ceiling and it was made of feathers. It was like under the wing of the Almighty. Of course, Psalm 91 is a picture of that. And, you know, the thing that shocked me that I've, I've never really mentioned publicly in that place, because it was a place where treasures have been hidden for centuries, is that the shelves were bare. And, you know, really until yesterday, this is a year and a half later, I, I understood that part of the dream. I didn't ever wanted to say it publicly because it sounded negative and I didn't know how to express it. But the shelves were bare because nobody was going into the secret place. There is a place in God for every believer, regardless of how long you've been a believer, that you can enter into. But it takes you stilling yourself before God, finding a quiet place in the sunshine, preferably, <laughs> And maybe sitting down, but it could be walking, it could be in the woods, it could be anywhere. A place where you feel your soul gets restored. Go into that place, spend some time every day. We set aside time every day for so many things, crazy things. Binge watching Netflix and things like that. I'm telling you, this could save your life. You need to take time and spend in the secret place. That's where the treasures are and dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You're going to be spared. You're going to be saved. You're going to be touched. You're going to be healed. You're going to be restored. Why? Because he's your protector. He is your lover. He is your hero, according to Psalm 91, the Passion Translation. I love what Steve Wood is saying there. Psalm 91 is a place of preservation, the refuge of the Lord the shelter of the Lord. It's really a conditional promise. If you read it carefully in Psalms 91, if we make him our shelter, then he is our shelter. That takes time. That takes some intentionality and a deepening relationship with the Lord.
Let's talk about some of these prophecies. You may have heard about the Sean Bowles, B-O-L-Z prophecy that's been getting a lot of play recently. Fox News picked it up. It's on Charisma News, other outlets, I'm sure, as well. He's a proven, seasoned prophetic voice of really national and international scale. But here's what he said, and I'll let you take it in and, and just see um, see what you think. And, and I would encourage you to take it to the Lord in prayer. Don't just come up with necessarily an immediate flash response to it, but really think about it and reflect upon it. Take a little bit of time with it. He says, the Lord showed me the end of the coronavirus. The tide is turning now. He is answering the prayers and cries of the nations and putting an end in sight. The exaggerated fear-based tactics of the enemy and several media outlets for political reasons are coming to an end. The enemy has been trying to distract and steal from several equally important purposes and issues by dominating airwaves with conspiracy and fear. Even now, several vaccines are coming out, as well as a natural dying out of the virus itself. The Lord is saying, I am removing the threat of this. Within a short amount of time, the extreme threat will feel as though it is in the distant past. And then he quotes from Psalm 56, 9 in the Passion Translation. The very moment I call to you for a father's help, the tide of battle turns and my enemies flee. This one thing I know, God is on my side. Now, many have found inspiration in this and reassurance and faith. Others, especially those who may not believe in spiritual gifts for today, have criticized this word, and you'll find that on the internet as well. Well, the truth of any prophetic word is its manifestation, its fulfillment, right? And so he is a proven, seasoned prophetic voice. Let's see if what he says will occur. My general inclination is to want to embrace this word. It's certainly something that that many of us would want to see happen. I don't know. You got to be pretty, uh, pretty sick to want to not see this happen, to see this disease just, you know, ravage and go on for months and months. Yeah. That's, that's the prophecy from, from Sean Bowles. Johnny Enlow had a word on February the 28th, 2020. He says, I hear the roar of the virus turn to a whimper. This is a built-in recipe for an explosion of salvation and the miraculous and of every kind of spiritual encouragement. It's an interesting sentence. Evil will pay a great price as fear and death will be swallowed up in victory. Haman, some of you will know the background of the Old Testament account. Haman will again hang on his own gallows and it will happen in more ways than one. We are in the days where God will always be greater than whatever card the enemy plays. God has a card that's greater to take the hand. That's an interesting sentence as well. Johnny Enlow, E-N-L-O-W, if you wanted to look at that on the web. Chuck Pierce, and this is Stephen Strang from Charisma News, a longstanding seasoned journalist For decades, really, he's the president of Charisma Media. Stephen Strang writes, I believe it was in his opinion piece, the media is full of reports about the coronavirus, but they're often from a political or scientific point of view. Few are choosing to view this pandemic from a prophetic perspective. I think the way we need to think about prophetic perspective is that it picks up the heart of God something of the counsel of God, and it can even be at times 
predictive in nature. Let me share a scripture with you from Acts 11, and then we'll get to the word from Chuck Pierce. Acts 11, 27 to 29, it says, Now at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and began to indicate by the spirit that there would certainly be a great famine all over the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius, the Roman emperor. And in the proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. So here's a prophetic prediction of a famine. And then the Christians responded by anticipating this. They sort of got on the front of the wave. They knew it was coming and they began to proactively do something about it and began to collect money for the relief of fellow believers living in Judea where this famine would hit. It seems to be a book of Acts, a New Testament pattern, a precedent, a dynamic that Jesus followers can, can, can avail themselves of. Now, in September of 2019, Stephen Strang reports, so that would be last fall, September of 2019, Chuck Pierce prophesied that, quote, nations would come into turmoil until Passover. Nations would come into turmoil until Passover. Passover this year, 2020, is April 8 to April 16. Then on January 26, the first month of this year, January 26, Chuck Pierce gave another prophetic word that a, quote, massive plague-like invasion would test us through Passover. Maybe try to get a consensus, a little bit of a consensus of credible major words. You look at what Sean Bowles said. You look at what Chuck Pierce said. Uh, maybe even add in what Johnny Enlow says. And and these are, you know, more notable prophetic voices. Let me just say this, you know, there are hidden prophets who are also praying. There are people that we'll never know about in this lifetime around the world that are praying and who also may have a prophetic sense of what's going on and what's happening. The idea of prophecy is to catalyze our prayer. You know, the New Testament says that we wage war by the prophecies that are spoken. We don't just passively sit and wait for the prophecy, the manifestation of it to fall on our head. We take it into prayer. Many times they are conditional. Many times there needs to be repentance. Many times there needs to, well, I, I think all the time there needs to be prayer, that we need to be praying into the prophecies and contending for them, continue to carry them in faith. It's always been about a partnership between heaven and earth. But it does say in the Old Testament that God does nothing unless he reveals it to his prophets. I'm not saying that God is necessarily directly causing this virus, but if he knew it was coming, it seems that he would alert some people to it. To me, it seems that way. And that prayer could then be catalyzed. Somebody help me out if I'm missing anything, but it seems to me that this coronavirus is coming from one of three sources. It's either demonic in nature, directly demonic, coming from evil powers, or it's just a consequence of a of a fallen world order. You know, creation is in a state of futility and fallenness because of the fall of humanity. It's it's just a, you know a genetic thing, a mutation thing. It's it's a viral thing that is uh, come from that source. Or it's something, and and there's just really frankly somebody's been helping me out with this, but a boatload of scriptural precedent that many times God directly releases things like this for a greater purpose. I personally, you know, for 
my humble opinion for what it's worth. I personally lean towards this is something demonic in nature. That's the sense that I carry. But God is in the whirlwind, as I think it says in Job, and he will use it for his purposes. And these things can be shortened. Many times, even if God sends it, it can be stopped. You know, there was a plague, I think, in the book of Numbers that was released upon the Israelites directly from God in this case because of their chronic sin. And it's, it's designed to bring about something greater, chastisement and repentance and a, and a, and a corrective. I, I believe uh, one of the priests was sent out into the midst of the camp with incense, which is a type of prayer. And he was to run out into the midst of the camp and the plague was abated. So many began to die, but it could have been much worse. But through prayer and intercession and through prophetic uh, engagement, it was it was stopped, you see. So so many times these things can be shortened. Uh, you know, we can get the lesson quicker if something's happening. But personally, I just believe that it's something demonic in nature, and yet God is using it. I could be wrong on that. It could be that God initiated this, allowed it, sort of caused it to happen. I don't know. But I, I tend to think it's more more demonic in nature. Now let's hear what Dr. Michael Brown says. Dr. Michael Brown is a, a, a powerhouse. Okay. He holds a PhD in near Eastern languages and literatures from New York university, but he talks in tongues. He's fully charismatic, fully embraces the spiritual gifts. Michael L. Brown is the founder and president of fire school of ministry in North Carolina. He's a, he's the d- director of the coalition of conscience, host of the daily nationally syndicated talk radio show, line of fire. You can check him out at askdrbrown.org. He says personally that he expects life to go back to normal in the not too distant future, but he's saying that this is not a prophecy. He's saying that from him. It's my personal opinion, he says, but he does believe that we do need to do some serious reflecting in the midst of this crisis and learn some serious lessons. So there's no room for panic. It doesn't mean you're not proactive. doesn't mean you say, hey, let's stock up on water or get some extra supplies. doesn't mean you make decisions. You know, I don't think it's good to be in crowds, even if our state is still allowing it. It's, it's perfectly good to be pragmatic. You can be in faith and be pragmatic. In fact, they go hand in hand. Being in faith and walking in wisdom go hand in hand. The book of Proverbs calls us to do both. But there's no reason for, ah, what's going If that's how you're feeling, quiet yourself before the Lord. Step back and worship God. He's still God. He's still Lord. He's still King. He rules and he reigns. He's not lost control of the universe or the earth or your life. All right? So step back and worship God and praise him even in the midst of loss even in the midst of pain, he remains good, he remains worthy. Okay, what about some prophecies, most notably from Sean Boltz, that this is going to end quickly and won't be that bad, that God's gonna intervene, uh, maybe through a vaccine or just the thing will turn? Well, I certainly hope it's true. We all hope it's true. But if that's the case, something has to happen fairly, fairly shortly. As far as I know, the, the word was not given in a conditional way. Uh, it was given as that God really visited him and he wanted to share this good news. So it could still turn the next days or weeks, could turn suddenly and everyone says, what happened? It just stopped. Or, or a vaccine made available and a cure available and suddenly it just boom, stops. Then, then I would say that the, the prophetic word was true. 
But if this continues longer and continues to get worse, then we'd say the word was not true. Does that make him a false prophet? As I understand it, a false prophet is not someone who prophesies falsely. A false prophet, according to the New Testament, is a wolf in sheep's clothing, a, a ravenous wolf, a, a ravenous wolf, a deceiver, uh, one who's in this for, for greedy gain, not a, a child of God who makes a mistake. So if this turns out to not be a true prophecy, well, then that's very serious. It was delivered as a prophecy. There's much accountability with that. There should be soul searching with that. This should be addressed by other charismatic leaders because the word has been widely reported. Even Fox News and other secular news outlets were reporting it. I, I, I hope it's true. I certainly love for it to be true so that there's a minim, minimizing of human suffering. But we need to not just let this be spoken out in the air. Uh, we, we need to rightly evaluate it. Uh, what's interesting is I was talking to a friend of mine today who knows a lot of prophetic leaders and he said he didn't hear from any of them who had a word about this clearly before it came. In other words, this is coming shortly. Why is that? I don't know. Now, some of you say it's because they're not prophetic at all. I fully understand your position and you would think that that verifies it. I understand that and I'm not criticizing you for thinking that way. But what I would say is this, because there are so many true true and proven prophetic words. I've received them myself. I've delivered some, but undeniably true and real. And because the New Testament so clearly speaks of prophecy going on in this age and even encourages us to earnestly seek it, that I would rather wonder, Lord, was there something we're missing? Were our ears not open to something? Were we not seeking you rightly? Uh, those would be questions that I would pose to the Lord. So I really love what he's saying there. Don't panic. Get into the presence of the Lord. Kind of get a grip in the presence of the Lord. I, I think he's offering a balanced word. Again, he's completely open and practices the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I, I think he's giving a balanced word there. So uh, we will have his video on the show notes page for this episode. The video is called The, the Coronavirus, the Bible, and the End Times. Uh, get ready to turn on the fire hydrant when you hear him talk in this video. Okay, he, he just brings it. Yeah, bringing, bringing a balanced word. And so I'm going to let you think about it. Something about these prophetic words. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you some insight and awareness and get into the word of God. See what the Lord may say to you. I really find a pattern in the Old Testament as we close today that's very interesting. Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. God uh, had it set up that when the Israelis were encamped in the wilderness, the tabernacle would be in the midst of the camp. And and there were 12 tribes, of course, and three would be encamped on the east, three on the north, three on the west, three on the south. And the three tribes on the east were Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. And whenever the camp was to break, by God's order, it was to be these three tribes which went first. First Judah, then Issachar and Zebulun, and they would either go out to war or they would go out and travel and continue journeying through the wilderness. That was the protocol. Judah first, Issachar, Zebulun. Judah had a special anointing for praise and worship. This was the tribe that Jesus came from. Issachar, the second tribe, had a special anointing for understanding the times and what Israel ought to do. They were prophetic in nature and intelligent in that way, sort of a God tell. 
And then Zebulun, the third tribe on the east, was a tribe that specialized in warfare. I believe they were slingers. I, th- I think that was their specialty, you know, the sling. And so here's, here's the principle. We can look to the Old Testament for patterns and precedents, which find their fulfillment in Christ. The principle is always lead into a situation with praise and worship. Judah first. Whenever we're in a journey or questing or pursuing something, praise and worship first. Draw down the presence of God. He's enthroned on the praises of Israel, Psalm 22. And then we get the God tell. Issachar, they understood the times and what Israel ought to do. We get the God tell on the coattails of worship, the prophetic insight. Then Zebulun, we are able to fight. We're able to engage whatever's before us and fight intelligently. These slingers were awesome. I've learned they can, they could hit targets from 100 to 200 miles, uh, miles, 100 to 200 yards away. Uh, An Israeli defense ballistic expert discovered that it had the stopping power of a 45 caliber handgun. They, you know, like David, he plugged Goliath right in the head. It was, it, it was something like pulling out a 45 and shooting him right in the forehead. Okay. That power and that potency in warfare comes downstream from worship and downstream from God tell. That's how we can fight most effectively. So as we're engaging this process, and again, I think we need to pray about this virus. And personally, we need to lean into it offensively. Lord, what are you teaching me? What do you want me to do right now? How can I deepen word? How can I deepen prayer, personal worship, communion? What's that project you want me to work on? Is there something new you want me to start right now? Don't just kind of coil up and, 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 and try to wait it out. I would encourage you to gear it up, step it up. Spirit is greater than matter. God can give you faith and give you a word to release in prayer. Spirituality is greater than virus. You know, we could say with that person in the gospels, I believe, but Lord help my unbelief. Man, man, do I understand that. It's sort of a continuum. Yeah, there's belief in me, Lord, but I also sense unbelief. Help my unbelief. The Lord will help us with our unbelief, but we should be pressing in to release Christ, his mind, his thoughts, his words into the situation. Let me pull up a mirror here. Okay. But watch over everyday speech, you know, like don't get in a real hot prayer time and you kind of drop your rudder in the water and you really say some good things, you know, James three, just like a, a ship, you know, you drop your, and, and then we go out and say thing, we, we, we start slipping up in our everyday talk and maybe we're talking about the circumstance too much or talking about this or that. Stay on point with the Lord's messaging. Stay in faith, walk in what you say. Well, I hope you have found this encouraging today. I would love to hear your thoughts about it. Uh, can I encourage you to go to jesussmart.com slash stay healthy, and you can catch an episode, two episodes ago, 115, Be Absolutely Fearless About the Coronavirus Like Jesus, it's called. That page is loaded with a bunch of practical resources about all of this, a lot about Psalm 91, some prayer points. I think you'll find that encouraging. And then our most recent episode, Psalm 116, is your best life equals living on point, on time, and on assignment. And so kind of just moving further than just achieving goals that matter the most to you, or uh, but actually getting into higher mission and assignment that contributes to a bigger kingdom narrative. Your story is actually contributing to the narrative of Jesus. 
to learn more about the podcast, go to jesusmart.com and see the show notes page for this episode for links, additional resources, everything we've mentioned today. That show notes page is jesusmart.com slash virus loses. Whenever you rate, review, and subscribe, wherever you listen to podcasts, it's now on iHeartRadio and Spotify, all the major podcast listening options as well. It helps push it out to more people. We appreciate that. And there's an e-letter which goes out most every week, sometimes every other week. What we seek to do there is to pull together some ideas and insights to develop as a Christ follower and apprentice of his, his kingdom. Hey, Jesus is brilliant. Uh, he's thinking at a whole nother level about this coronavirus. Let me just say that. He knows how this life works best starting right now. We'll talk with you soon. Mm-hmm.